This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot saves Talbot. Rebounds Hubble Blueprint. Wrist shot Martinez saves Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds. Wrist shot Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. I got the... Vegas Golden Knights on the television in a scoreless tie with the Boston Bruins early in the second period. We'll keep you updated on your NHL scores throughout the evening. Of course, the Oilers are back at it tomorrow against the New Jersey Devils. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 7. we got an Eskimos game coming up on Saturday. That's at Saskatchewan, the Eskimos' first visit to uh, New Mosaic Stadium. That'll be a 3.30 countdown to kick off. The game starts at 5. Eskimos can still finish anywhere between 2nd. Well, not anywhere between. They can finish either 2nd, 3rd, or 4th in the West Division. So that'll be a fun final weekend. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We will have uh, plenty of time for interaction between 6.30 and 7. Though I could squeeze in a call right now if somebody really wanted to jump in. But, of course, we're going to start with the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, well, I mean, uh, the disappointing, whatever, that's the word I'll use. Underwhelming, whatever you want to call it. Start to the season. 3-7-1. and one. It's not really a, a small sample anymore. I think maybe four or five games you could say, okay, that's a, that's a small little run. This has been a, an extended period. And, and Todd McClellan said it after the game that they're falling into a bit of a similar pattern when it comes to losing games. Uh, certainly uh, special teams is one. And then the other one is uh, third periods. Instead of being the team that makes the play, there being the team that allows the team the uh, play to be made or, or a mistake that allows the other team to get the decisive goal. Six games in a row, the Oilers have been tied after two periods. I don't have a problem with that. I think you have to be good in close games. I think you have to be comfortable in close games to be successful. And uh, the Oilers have not been good enough. Two, three, and one in those last six. The special teams, in case you haven't heard this enough, power plays 29th. At 13.2%. The penalty killing is 30th. Oddly enough, not last. 68.3%. Arizona's a little bit behind the Oilers in penalty killing. And uh, they're also the only team behind the Oilers in the Western Conference standing. So that's more indication of the value of killing penalties and special teams. I, I did a little bit of math this morning. And I just looked at the percentage of the teams who were 15th, 16th in penalty kill and power play. Middle of the pack. 
and I said, okay, let's let's assume the Oilers had middle-of-the-pack special teams. That would mean that they would have allowed five fewer goals on the penalty kill, and they would have scored one to two goals. It worked out to a goal and a half. So they would be six or seven goals better in the differential, which probably would, uh, would amount to two to four points. So they wouldn't totally flip their record around, but it would probably have them around 500 instead of where they're at. And, of course, Todd McClellan, after an optional practice today and some meetings and video, commented on the special teams' struggles. Well, we're still trying to solve the special teams issue. Um, improvement, but not where it needs to be. Uh, we've only won that battle once this season and uh, happened to win that game. And uh, if you're not winning, you've got to at least be able to tie. And uh, a lot of our time was spent uh, dealing again with uh, situational play on penalty kill power play. Uh, but we also reviewed the game with the players. Obviously, it's not a full skate today, uh, but we had a, uh, a good practice video-wise and uh, trying to improve in those areas. All right, more from Todd McClellan as we move along. And he had some interesting things to say about the the depth scoring. And obviously by depth scoring, I mean lack of it. We'll get to that. Drew Amendez coming up, but we got Jed on the open line. Hey, Jed. Hey, Reed. Are they doing anything for Taylor Hall Saturday night? Are they going to do a little, uh, you know, like they do up on the board there, show uh, when he was here? They did that you know? last year, Jed. He's He's been gone over oh, a year. Geez, that's true to it. Okay, well, and anyway, the game's tomorrow, say, not Saturday. You're watching okay, Eskimos you? Saturday. You're watching oh, Oilers oh, tomorrow. God, Jed, it's just, a good thing you called me. Hey, listen. I know there's going to say you and Rob last night. <laughs> you better hope and you guys better pray that old Taylor doesn't come in here jacked. Because if he gets going, oh boy. Well, he's I'm having saying. a good year. The Devils are doing awesome. You want to bet he is. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, appreciate it, Jed. Okay, man, thanks. All right, 780-496-0063. Again, a full half hour of open line and interaction if you're uh, interested coming up between 6.30 and 7. Todd McClellan also, uh, speaking of the special teams, said this about the changes to the power play units, the headline for there, splitting up McDavid and Dreisaitl. And the power play did manage a goal last night, though it missed a couple important opportunities early in the third. Well, it's never easy to to shuffle groups um, as much as we did, but we felt that we needed it. Um, so there is a... Uh, uh, a familiarity with the old groups that, that wasn't there during that game, but yet I thought our guys created uh, a fair number of chances um, and, um, you know, created some momentum early in the game. The, the two and the third were, uh, were a little bit disappointing. As I mentioned last night, you've got to come out of your power play uh, with some energy and, and uh, some... Um, excitement uh, on your bench rather than being down and I thought we did that early in the game and middle of the game but in the third we didn't get that done all right that's head coach Todd McClellan more from him as we move along quick timeout we're going to bring in Sportsnet's Drew Remenda when we get back inside sports on 630 Chet Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Hopkins got his 100th career goal last night, fifth of the year as the Oilers fell 3-2 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Oilers killed off a two-man disadvantage for a minute 42 seconds in the second period, but they allowed power play goals 
on two other occasions. And yes, their power play again, that ugly number, or their penalty killing, 68.3% for the season. Reed Wilkins with you at 616 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Please to welcome to the show Sportsnet's Drew Remenda. Drew, how's it going? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the program. Obviously, the Oilers uh, limping along here, and uh, the it starts with special teams. Power play's not great, but the PK has been absolutely dismal. Uh, I mean, if it were 78%, we'd be saying it wasn't very good. It's at 68%. What are you seeing, Drew? Penalty kill, to be efficient, to be good, to be great, has to move as a unit. Everybody's got to be moving and thinking on the same plane and reading reacting at the same time. If you have one guy pressure and the second or third man that have to go pressure are late, two steps late, one step late, uh, half a second late, you're going to open up scenes, you're going to open up spots where good power plays, skilled power plays can beat you. I don't think they're moving as a unit. I don't think they're thinking as a unit. I don't think they are um, confident in their ability to stop anything now. Like last night, the, the first power play goal Pittsburgh got, I know Todd explained it in the post-game comments and, and you guys played it. Um, you know, those, those kind of goals happen. The second one was ridiculous. Um, they, they back up in the neutral zone. They go to the box in the neutral zone, 2-2, and... They give up the blue line. It's a, it's basically a one on four. They give up the blue line, and Malkin gets skates wide. Adam Larson has no idea he's there, um, and it's it's a goal that yeah. Cam says he should have stopped, but it's also Evgeny Malkin, and it's kind of a flubber of a shot. Kind of fools him a little bit of a change up, but it was so terribly played by those four guys. But it just shows you that they're all standing around wondering what each other's doing instead of doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I don't think they're moving or thinking as a unit. Where, where first of all, Drew, I mean, you've, you've broadcast a lot of games and, of course, you coached. I guess I'll kind of ask you a two-parter. Where does, where does that come from? I mean, what creates the, the, the seeds of that disorganization? And then how does a coaching staff repair it? The coaching staff repairs it through, and I think that's, I'll go with that question first, because when you look at what's happening with the Oilers, if you look at the totality of the situation, you can kind of get overwhelmed. Even as a coach, you, can, you get overwhelmed. So you have to work it like a math problem. you got to work it as, okay, where's our first issue that we have got to make sure that we, we clean up? So work the problem. Number one, you got to work that penalty kill problem. You work that penalty kill problem with a ton of video and a ton of work on the ice. And Jimmy Johnson... Listen, I've, I've sat with Jimmy while he watches video. I have sat with Jimmy while he logs video. I've sat with Jimmy when he's looking at the other team's power play. The guy puts the work in. No doubt about it. Um, the team shouldn't be too confused about what they're supposed to be doing on the penalty kill. There's only so many things you're going to do as a coach or, or as, a, as a team on a penalty kill. Uh, yeah, you can change up the pressure up ice. You can change up your your defensive structure, are you going to pressure, which everybody wants to talk about nowadays, or are you going to be a little bit more passive, or are you going to play a contained game? But that should not be a mystery to these guys because this is the same guy who coached them the last two years on the penalty kill. A lot of those guys are still here doing it. I think right now um, that the seeds of doubt, as you say, are, are, in, are in that penalty kill, and they're passive, and they're thinking, 
Um, I, you know, it's funny, you know, some people say, well, they're thinking too much or they're not thinking enough. I, I just don't think they're in a calm state of mind. They're not in a readied state. So that's why I think that comes from the fact that they had early lack of success, and now they're, they're struggling. Their confidence is taking a hit, so they, they don't know what to do. They're unsure of themselves instead of being calm and ready and sure of what to do. And the sure of what to do comes some from the coaching staff, a lot from the coaching staff, because you put that scheme into place. But from the players, they've got to understand the scheme completely and understand it can't be one guy trying to help another guy. It's got to be one guy doing his job, the next guy doing his job, the next guy doing his job, and the next guy doing his job. It can't be one, 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 one. It's got to be one as four. Well, or sorry, sorry, four as one. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got you for sure. And and it's interesting too because. I mean, I asked a question to Todd yesterday about hesitation and indecisiveness because those words have come up a lot with interviews with coaches and players over the last few days, and Todd says those words kind of add up to make confidence. And and I don't want to make it sound like confidence is everything because I think there are some other questions about the roster and performance we can get into. And I always say, I know when I golf, I'm confident I'm going to hit a good shot every time, and I rarely do. So there's more to it than confidence. But, but, uh, but I mean, there... there, there something about the confidence thing though? absolutely yeah and and it, it it drives me crazy like it drives me absolutely lunatic lunge that that when people say that well he's lost his confidence or a guy says to himself well i've lost my confidence you don't lose your confidence you choose to give it away everybody in their life goes through at some time some uh, some bit of doubt and you're either going to be weak about it and just surrender to the emotion of, well, I've lost my confidence, or you're going to button down, find the, find the solution to the problem, and fix it and move on. I can't stand when I hear a pro athlete say, well, we're lacking confidence. You don't lose confidence. You choose to give it away. A tough time, and I know, okay, I'm going to be Mr. Cliche saying guy, but you know what? Tough times don't last, but tough people do. So get tough and fix the friggin' problem. That's a great. It's so hard about that to figure out. I, I, you know what? I've never heard that before, and I've known you for a few years now. I've never heard you say that. You don't lose confidence; you choose to give it away. Well, maybe, maybe the Oilers have choose to chosen to give a little bit away because it, it seems to be Drew in the third periods. And Rob and I talked this about this last night. Yeah. The Oilers always seemed so comfortable. Down a goal, tied, up a goal. And when you win 47 games like they did, you're often the team that gets the goal to get a point or two out of that game. And these last six games have been hanging there for them to take, and they only have five out of 12 points. And so the points are being given away often in the third period. Yeah, so fix that problem. You know, if the, if, if the situation comes up where you're penalty kill, like we already talked about, that that key moment, then you've got to overcome that key moment. You've got to fix that problem, and you've got to... You've got to Make sure you work the solutions like, like we talked about. Or if it's your power play, when you get that power play opportunity, then score the damn goal on the power play. It's, it, it's not, there's not a lot of different ways nowadays in hockey to, to play a certain um, power play or penalty kill or forecheck. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. And the thing is, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know where the puck's going to go. There's, it just comes down to... And I, I was listening to, to uh, um, I think it was Rob last night, just talking about just win the damn battle. Just go out and win the battle. If, if 
let's say you can't do anything else. Let's say you're having trouble scoring, and let's say you're having trouble def- um, um, winning draws or whatever it happens to be. What can you do? The one thing you can do, the one thing you have to do is check. Check, check, check. Battle for loose pucks. If you go into a one-on-one battle, then make sure you come out with the puck. Make sure you win that one one-on-one battle. Start there. That's the first step in solving the problem. So take some sort of initiative that this is where I'm going to make an impact in this third period to help my team win. I'm going to go out and battle the guy across from me, and I'm going to play inside, and I'm going to come out with the puck. Start there, and then start moving forward. Drew Reminder from Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports. Drew, just a, a couple more minutes with you here, and I know we got people waiting to call in. We'll do open line 780-496-0063 in the next, uh, in the next half hour. Uh, and I'm going to play the clip as well in the next half hour where Todd says we got four guys scoring at or above the rate from last year and a bunch of guys well below it. And then that's actually, I got it here. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Maroon have scored 16 goals. Every other forward on the team has scored four, and two of them were by Mark Letestu. Is, do you see the chances and that something is going to burst, or do you see a lack of legitimate scoring chances that we can start expecting to go in? I think the chances are there. I think it's, it's, a, two, it's a kind of I'm going to walk the fence on this one. The chances are there, and you would think that the shooting percentage and the goals will go up because they are creating chances, but the chances are being created by the same guys. So that goes to what Todd was saying and also goes to what you're saying. So that's Peter's problem, right? You know, Todd's got his problems to fix. The players have their problems to fix. And Peter's got his problems to fix. And we all know what Peter's done in the past. We've all seen his work. And he came in, and what did he say when he first came in? And so he said, I'm going to make some moves that are, are, are going to work, and I'm going to make some moves that aren't going to work. That's just the nature of the business. But you know, um, and it, maybe people don't, that Peter Shirelli is a workaholic. Peter Shirelli is always on the phone. He's always talking to other GMs. He's working right now to try to solve that problem of the the other forwards not scoring. If if they're having if they're having trouble finding confidence as an Edmonton Oiler, if they're having trouble finding uh, goals as an Edmonton Oiler, Peter's on that. So you know that's that's his problem to fix. Everybody's got their jobs. Everybody's got their jobs to to do and and jobs to fix. And you know and. Pe- Reed, you've seen him. You've seen how Peter works the phones. He's always on the damn thing. He's going to be he's going to be doing his best to help his team. Drew, it's always great to have you on the show. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow, buddy. I really appreciate your time. All right, man. Talk to you later. Bye bye. That is Drew Remenda. Serious Gord is going to kick off our open line segment when we get back. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL. The Golden Knights and the Bruins are tied 1-1 in the second period. Also in the second period, Caps lead the Islanders 3-2. Oilers will play both those teams on their upcoming road trip. The Red Wings are here on Sunday, right now trailing the Senators 1-0 after 1. Also after the first period, Rangers up 1-0 on the Lightning, and Columbus leads Florida 2-1. In the first period, scoreless between the Flyers and the Blues, the Wild are up 2-0 on the Canadians, who, like the Oilers, are having a pretty tough year. Jets lead the Stars 1-0 in the first 
Four games still to come, including the Flames home to the Penguins and Toronto continuing its West Coast trip as they will play the Los Angeles Kings. Oil Kings are home against Seattle at 7. Thursday night football just started. No score two minutes in between Buffalo and the Jets. And by the way, sounds like really bad news for the Houston Texans. Great young quarterback Deshaun Watson reportedly a torn ACL in practice today, which would obviously knock him out for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, we uh, we got some regular callers to uh, the sports shows here on 630 Chet, and I do always love talking to all of you. And one of the regular guys is Sirius Gord, who hasn't been calling as much because I think he's been pretty busy, though I don't know how busy he is because he's been so eager to talk to me. He's been on hold since 7 this morning. Hey, Sirius Gord. <laughs> uh, not exactly. Well, well, um, come on. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, uh, letting me talk to me. Um, just real quick on that Deshaun Watson thing. Am I am I mistaking this? But the chances of a player suffering an ACL is pretty high in football. Is that fair to say? Well, it happens. Yeah, for sure. It happens a, a lot, lot of Achilles lately too, especially for the Eskimos. Yeah, but certainly ACL knee injuries seem to happen an awful lot. And clearly, when you've got a franchise player like him, why don't they put knee braces on them before they even get hurt? I mean, just tell the guy, look, don't run around so much. Let's put some knee braces on you now, so you don't tear that ACL. That's what put Brady out back a year for a whole year why why don't they just look put the brace on now you put on shoulder pads why not put on knee braces i I don't understand uh why they don't try and protect some of these franchise players uh uh, in a preemptive way as opposed to after the fact i'm not sure i'll have to ask somebody sometime i've never i've never thought to ask that yeah it just it it amazes me that you know why not just put it on him now (laughs) especially if he's going to be a pocket passer he's going to get hit from the side and no quarterbacks in the NFL don't run around a whole lot anymore anyway, regardless. Well, Watson's been running around, but yeah, fair enough. No, you get my point, right? Yeah, they fair enough, fair enough. a more pocket-type style. So I think you'd agree there's a, an awful lot of sturm and drang in the Oiler Nation of late with what's going on. And, and I think it's in many ways it's because they're getting caught up in the moment of how much this team is struggling. And I, and I think it's important in any in any activity, but in sports and your enjoyment of sports, is to try and get perspective on what it is you're uh, what it is you're trying what it is you're watching. And I'm going to try and do that tonight, if you'll give me a, a bit here. So you're no doubt familiar with the feeling of the emotion called nostalgia. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Nostalgia is, is is a Greek is based on two Greek words. One is nostos, which is uh, which is the word homecoming, and algos, which is interestingly the, the word pain. Now, nostalgia is essentially a, a, a bittersweet feeling where you have warm memories of past times, glory times, but it's tinged with pain because you know you can never go back there. But we're, I think a lot of Oiler fans and, uh, of a certain age, I'm being one of them, and certainly the old boys themselves from that era, have a lot of nostalgia for that era and uh, I think are making a terrible mistake and warping their perspective right now thinking that they can return to that era. And it's the parallels are really interesting, in my opinion, if you look at the players. Today's Gretzky is McDavid. Today's Messier is Dreisaitl. Today's Coffee is Clefbaum. Today's Lowe is um, uh, uh, Larson. And today's Fuhr is Talbot. The parallels are there. I think you see what I'm getting at, right? That if, if you're seeing this from nostalgic viewpoint, you're going, wow, we're getting back there. We're going to win all these cups. Quickly, Gord, you know, you know I don't like that, the direct comparisons to other no, players. I know, nor okay. do I. But, I all right. but you, know a lot, you know lots of fans make that. 
They said, we're going back into that great era again. Not, not you know, specifically transposing specific things, but that we're going to win these cups and we're going to be that great team again. And then they get extremely frustrated when they're disappointed and they see that hope fading, that maybe we're not going to win all these cups. Maybe we'll always struggle to get to that cup level. And they overlook the fact, you know, I watched the highlights last night, of course, because I was watching the baseball. I apologize. But <laughs> but I'm watching the highlights. And, and some of these players are electric talents. It's it's amazing what we're watching here. It's 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 almost shocking when you see McDavid streaking down the wing and making passes at and you know incredible speed and that you've got a dry sidle as the intuition to, to to take that pass. So my counsel to people who are up in arms and agonizing and, and by all means criticize, as you know, I like to do that as well. But try and get some perspective and say, look, man, let's sit back and enjoy the game here as well and go, wow, these guys are incredible. But man, if they could just get another right winger, it would be so much better, right? Sure. I get that. I get that emotion. But I see so many people getting all wrapped up and 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 frankly disappointed and and not enjoying the game and not enjoying their what they're seeing before their eyes as much as they otherwise would. And and, and it's a real shame because they did get to see some great hockey and they're seeing great hockey now. But I think a lot of them just can't can't enjoy it because of their pain that they're feeling about what they're what they think they're losing. So anyway, that's, Gord, that, have, that's a hell of a take. I appreciate you calling in tonight. Uh, I hope you find time to talk again. Uh, you and I don't always I'll, agree, I'll, but we always entertain each other, I think. So thank I'll you. I'll call in with some whiskey recommendations. <laughs> time, we, we still got to do a show on scotch and whiskey. That's my yeah, that's my next now. that's my next off-topic topic. Appreciate it, Gord. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, that's serious, Gord. 780-496-0063. With some interesting stuff, Gord uh, always thinks about what he's going to say. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't uh, like the – I mean, you want to win again. If every if any team that has – if any fan base has experienced a championship, you always want that feeling back and, you know, maybe think your team's going to build a history like the Yankees or the Canadians or, or whoever. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think some Oilers fans are nostalgic and, and uh, want to see it all happen again and look for direct parallels. I think some of you don't, and obviously there are some of you that never experienced that. But an interesting take there from Sirius Gord. 780-496-0063. Oh, my goodness. Sirius Gord, now Matt from Section O. What is this? Caller All-Star Night on Inside Sports? Do you want me to an autograph now or later? How does a guy follow Sirius Gord's take? Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, man, you're always up for the challenge, so you got to do it. There you go. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to hear from you, buddy. I haven't, we haven't talked in a while. It's been busy. Oh, I know. I know. I've been uh, in and out of retirement all year. Uh, <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? You're like 30 years old. What's that? You're like 30 years old. You can't retire. Yeah, well, Did you win the lottery? Nope. Nope. Didn't win the lottery. But I'll tell you what, though. If I do, I'll give you 10%. And that way, oh, you can retire down to Las Vegas together. How, how about that? Okay. All right. Max. But then again, if I do that, who am I going to call into on Inside Sports anymore? Well, exactly. So what are you talking about today, Oilers or Eskimos, or both? I would like to first start off with the Eskimos going that, uh, can you taste the West final? Or sorry, can you taste the West semifinal right now, Reed? Uh, You you know what, buddy? They, I think they have a very good chance of hosting it. Because Winnipeg's beat up, and it doesn't sound like Saskatchewan uh, has a huge amount of interest in Saturday's game. No, I don't think Saskatchewan does either because, to my reckon, I think they can finish no higher than third. So what I think they're doing is they're resting a bunch of guys and they're going to make a run at the playoffs 
to go deep and they're not looking too far into this game. So to what people need to, you know, perk the ears up to is uh, next week we have a very, we might have a game here on uh, on uh, Sunday. The 12th, and, uh, yep. Nichols is hurt, so that's going to play into our favor. Uh, Andrew Harris is hurt, but uh, sounds like he might be playing, but... Uh, who knows? But like I said, the Eskimos are going into this game for all intents and purposes. As far as I know, that uh, they're going to go in this to win it. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday. I'm going to be there. I'm uh, going to be cheering loud, and I can't wait for uh, to get the results. And now Winnipeg plays first on Friday, and they play against Calgary. So that, again, parlays into our favor. But, Reed, I am so ready again because if anybody who's listening to this call was at the 2015 West Final at Commonwealth. You know how rowdy that place was. That was a great experience. I will say that. That was a party. Like, oh. there, there was just so much positive energy in the stands coming from the field. Absolutely. My ears are still ringing from that. And to think and to think where this team was six weeks ago, would we even be having this conversation right now? Nobody thought we'd be in the run for a home playoff day, let alone the crossover, because BC was still hot. Saskatchewan was just picking up, and we were on our, what, our fifth? their fourth or fifth loss in a row and guys are calling for Riley's head guys are calling for Benavides to be fired it was just like what a turnaround this is the craziest 2017 Eskimos team I think uh, in in recent memory that what other team wins seven straight and then now you're having the conversation about missing the playoffs yeah and and then here we are six weeks later going into possibly a home playoff date but hey it's gonna be great I just had to, I got the day off work today so I thought I'd call in and uh and get everybody raring to go. So five o'clock on Saturday. If you're not there, tune in on uh, tune in on six thirty. Ched there, listen to Morley Dave. Or well, you're, you're doing commercials for our station, Matt. Jeez, that's amazing. All right, hey, give me ten percent, and I'm good. <laughs> okay, see you, Matt. Thanks for calling. That's Matt from Section O. He is extremely enthusiastic. Uh, Sean says, Reed, if you can get Sirius Gord to actually laugh on air, I will donate $300 to Santa's Anonymous in your name. And I mean it, or I'll, I'll send you the receipt. <laughs> Sean, I'd love it if you just donated to Santa's Anonymous uh, at, at all, in, in your own name, would be acceptable. Sirius Gord laughing on air. Wow, that's a challenge. 645, we'll go back to the phone lines in a second. A little more from Todd McClellan. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate you coming along for the ride. Todd McClellan commenting on needing more scoring from the bottom six. They need to, and we need to manufacture that, and um, we have to look at their skill set. Some of them are very good four-checkers, and uh, others have the ability to get some tip-ins, deflections, and screen-type goals. Um, so there's ways of manufacturing offense, winning face-offs, and, and crashing the net. Um, not uh, scoring is not due to lack of opportunity. Some of them have created uh, chances for themselves or for others, and they just haven't uh, been able to finish. So um, it's a matter of pushing a little bit and them relaxing a little bit, understanding what their strengths are, and then hopefully the puck goes in for them. Well, I mentioned that stat earlier. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Maroon, 16 goals. Every other forward, four goals total. So that has been a problem. Special teams have been a problem. The Oilers keep working on all that. We have Coach on line two. Is that, is that, is your name's just Coach? 
Hello? Coach, are you there? Yeah, hey, Reed. Hey, cool. I uh, got a question for you. This uh, With UC Oakland, uh, word coming out that Shirelli's looking at trading them. Um, fan of Shirelli, but did he maybe miss something there? Couldn't we have brought him in on a PTO? And, you know, we signed him towards the end of the year, and maybe he'd have a look at him and realize that he's too slow to play with this team or – or in the NHL in general, like, and now the rest of the teams know this. And how are you going to move a guy like? Oh well, yeah, I I don't know how you would, you would trade uh, Jokinen. He hasn't been great, obviously. I, I didn't mind the signing when it happened. I know there were other teams interested in him. Obviously, all looking at a one year deal. And yeah, I mean he's been uh, he's been underwhelming to say the least. I, I, if you if you do trade him, I don't know what that would be for. I think you'd just be clearing up contract uh, space for another contract. Yeah, that, that's just it. It's just it's another contract that burdens uh, burdens what he can do right now. Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't mind the signing. You're right. It was July. It was it was in July. It wasn't right before the season. But he's been a pretty good pro most of his career and kind of a, a bit of a jack of all trades guy. But yeah, it hasn't been working for him here so far. I, I imagine he'll probably be in and out of the lineup, and you see if he can get going a bit. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Appreciate it, Coach. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texter says, "I really wish advanced stats would catch up in hockey, so we could point out that the WAR, which is a baseball term for wins above replacement, for Taylor Hall versus Adam Larson was a bad trade because it's difficult to equate goals scored versus goals saved. The hardest thing to do in hockey is score. We're proving that now. That was a bad trade. Trading Eberle for Strom was bad. Signing Lucic to a long-term deal for big money was a mistake. Yet." Chiarelli doesn't get his feet to the fire like McTavish did. All right, well, a lot in that text. Uh, first of all, I, I don't know if they're ever going to have something like wins above replacement in hockey because there's a lot more going on on each play than there is in baseball, which starts with a very static one-versus-one matchup, as I'm sure this uh, texter knows. Look, the Oilers needed defense. Um, all I heard for the first couple of years I did the games was was trade one of these guys for a defenseman. And Shirelli did that, and uh, now they're having trouble scoring, so now now people don't like that trade. Adam Larson has done his job. Uh, Ryan Strom, no doubt about it, is not, was not expected to and will likely not produce points and goals as Jordan Eberle did. Having said that, I think he can produce more than he has been. And Peter Shirelli said it when he made the trade that a priority was freeing up some cap space, which which it did. And then a couple other big contracts happened later on in the summer. But fair comment, though. Um, I know people have asked, why didn't he trade Eberle for Hamannick? Everything I've heard was that the New York Islanders did not want to do that deal, which, again, shows you the value of a defenseman, of trying to trade for a defenseman. Trade Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. And the New York Islanders were not going to trade Travis Hamannick for Jordan Eberle. So they traded Ryan Strom. Um, Lucic obviously is having a pretty tough year. I think if you also, and just to be balanced, and I don't, absolutely, criticize whoever you want. But I don't think you can take those three moves and say that Peter Shirelli has done a poor job. Because he also acquired Cam Talbot for very little. He also acquired... Patrick Maroon for very little. He also acquired Zach Cassian for very little, who's maybe having a bit of a tough year, but it was an important player last year. So I, I think you have to look at the body of work 
for a general manager or for anybody for that matter, rather than just saying, well, the team's had a, a bad 11-game stretch, so therefore the general manager doesn't know what he's doing. I think that's oversimplifying things. But there are some fair com- some fair comments in that text. I don't think all of them are, are accurate. Uh, Rocket's on the line. Go ahead, Rocket. Hey, Reid. How are you? Doing great. I just wanted to... Uh, comment on Sirius Gord's comment, which uh, I completely agree with. And, and I said it last night when I called into the show, although I didn't really say it that way. I said, if I was a paying customer and I went to that game last night, I'd be completely satisfied, you know, with the exception of the special teams and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the lack of the victory. But the game itself was excellent. And, and I think Sirius Gord is dead on that fans in Edmonton need to really savor and enjoy uh, the talent that they're actually seeing right now because that doesn't happen uh, very often, as Edmonton very well knows. All right, Rocket, appreciate it. Thanks. Hope to hear from you again. That's Rocket at 780-496-0063. This texter says uh, about the Eskimos, just my opinion, but I've heard all week a dismissal of this upcoming game in Regina. That's a mistake. It's silly to look beyond this game and nearly expect a playoff game in Edmonton. A rider win is possible, if not likely, in that stadium, and thus an Eskimos crossover should be talked about and considered more closely. I just, here's what I'm saying, and, and Matt from Section O is a big Eskimos fan and being optimistic. I, I think you got to embrace the opportunity to have a home game, especially when they've lost six in a row. I mean, we, we had Harry call in one night saying that the Eskimos would win one game maximum the rest of the way. They have won four games since he said that. And by the way, Kellen, I told Harry either way he should call back and either say, okay, I got it wrong, or crow about being right. Correct. We haven't, we haven't heard from him. No, we haven't. We haven't heard from him. So I'm just saying, where's Harry saying he was wrong? <laughs> uh, we're going to have a fun next half hour and a bit of the show. Ken Lacusta, former heavyweight champ, going to tell some tales inside sports on Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.